We're doing a little series leading into Easter, and we were talking about a few different things. Uh, this week, we were, I want to talk about Jesus meeting unnamed people on the road. The suggestion for today was uh, the feeding of the 5,000, and uh, I want to use a little bit of license uh, and say a, a little bit more than that, because, you know, when you read Scripture, uh, it's all about giving. It doesn't matter how we do it. And so sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked. This only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He has a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Have you ever noticed how sexist that is? Just 5,000 men. I don't know where the women were. Uh, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Just to there. It's an amazing story, you know. Have you ever seen, have you looked at, at the front of this chapel, the floor here? Because it's the story of the loaves and the fish uh, in, in mosaic. And uh, so it's a story that is kind of embedded into Emseni. But I don't want to necessarily just talk about that because I want to talk, broaden it just a little. I want to use a title that says Jesus meets unnamed people. Jesus meets unnamed people. Not just the 5,000 as it were. Whatever way you look at it, when people meet Jesus, things change. Things change. And if you think about it in its purest form, uh, isn't that what worship is about? It's about meeting Jesus. We come in here, and if you stop to think about it in its purest form, we come to meet Jesus in whichever way we do it, here or elsewhere. And so... I want to broaden it instead of just the loaves and the fishes because the whole of our our Lenten series is about unnamed and seemingly faceless people that Jesus meets on the road. And if you 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 use a bit of imagination, this is an example. This is an example as we meet here this morning. Don't you think that... When you read the story, those people were changed, weren't they? It can happen again this morning, even today. If you think about it, we're all unnamed, faceless, ordinary people. Uh, all of us know one or two folk in the room this morning. Maybe some of us knew, know a few more than that. But, but there's nobody in this room that knows everybody. I'm pretty sure of that. And yet, this is what this is about. Jesus meets the nameless people. He meets the faceless people. He meets people wherever they are and whatever they're doing. And this is the miracle because although we might feel faceless in our own eyes, Jesus comes to meet us, every one of us. 
And so let me just try and broaden this a little bit. Let me introduce you to the super pastor. Torah. We should have a roll, a drum roll for that. Do you know who the super pastor is? Well, do you know what he does? It's actually quite a long list, you know, but I'll keep it short. The super pastor prepares the church bulletin, photocopies the music for the music group, cleans the church, greets the people at the door, prepares the sermon, serves tea after the service, we wish, visits the sick people in hospital, visits the old age homes, preaches in the old age homes, chairs all the church meetings, and then mows the lawn on Saturday between weddings. And that's not all. There's the funerals, the teaching courses, the counseling, and I may have missed one or two, like being a husband and a father and a friend and a family man. Now, okay, I know this is tongue-in-cheek. I understand that. But I have to tell you that not all of it is tongue-in-cheek. It's the perception of many people that pastors have all the gifts and do it all and still have time to mask, multitask doing other things. When in reality, in reality, Jesus can and does use every single one of us in a multitude of ways, even today, even the faceless ones. And it's often the faceless ones who have the most lasting impact. Witness the boy with those loaves and those fishes. It was just a little boy, man, you know? We don't know what his name was. We'll never know what his name was. But that little boy turned the world on its head that day, or was instrumental in part of it anyway. And if we allow the pastor to do it all, that makes him a very big cork in a very small bottle. He'll then be the one who stifles the little bubbles that effervesce uh, when you take the cork out and it prevents the, the, the contents from bubbling and sparkling. And I'm using some poetic license here. I know that. So let's look at our topic for this, this, for this thing today. You know, what happens when Jesus meets unnamed people? What happens when Jesus meets a little boy with two fish and a, and a loaf? Or is it five loaves and two fish or five fish and two loaves? Who knows? Doesn't matter. You can come and look afterwards. What happens when Jesus just gets to work with what he's got available to him? Because if you think about it, we're all the little bubbles, all of us. And God uses every single one of us in a myriad of ways to get his message through to a broken world. It's not just the pastor's job. It's, not, it's the church's job. It's the congregation's job. All of us tell the Jesus story. If you meet Jesus on the road, he will fill you, he will touch you, and he'll use you in so many ways like it did so many years ago. Nothing's changed. In the Old Testament, before Jesus showed up, God's Spirit worked through an elite group called the priests. And these Old Testament priests were seen as the mediators between God and his people because the people were not allowed to get in touch with God. They had to work their way through the priests. And the people believed that they could not have direct contact with God and that they couldn't make a difference. Enter Jesus Christ. He arrives on the scene and the religious culture gets turned on its head. 
he starts making statements like you, yes, you, are the light of the world. You, yes, you, are called to love your neighbor as yourselves. And by the way, your enemies as well. Like, like you, yes, you will be my witnesses. The little people. And then on the day of Pentecost, as Acts 2 has it, this bunch of non-priestly, ordinary people huddled in a room, and God invades it uh, with his spirit, with what sounds like a rushing wind, and we'll get to that down the line a bit. And the gift of the spirit settles on everybody. Everybody. That means that everybody sitting in this room has been touched by the spirit. And we have direct access to God and his enormous power. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Ever stopped to think about what potential is sitting in a room like this? The power that is available to us. The power that we can bring to bear if we put our hand in God's hand. And God uses the unnamed people to make the difference in the world. You and I are the super pastors. Just imagine a community where every member has a healthy sense of knowing that God is using them. Now, without delving uh, into centuries of church history, somewhere along the line, the church decided to hire a few professional Christians and then sat back and watched them carry out their priestly duties. Everyone else sat on the sidelines, sat on their hands, sat on their gifts, just kind of reviewed the priestly performance. And they'd say, why are you talking to me? Why are you wanting me to get involved? I mean, you're the clergy. We're just the lay people. That's what we pay you for. <laughs> Friends, we need to know, tragically, this is still the reality in many, many churches today. And as a result, people are hugely unfulfilled. The church just limps along, kind of feeling powerless and frustrated, when all the time Jesus meets myriads of unnamed people every day and uses them to his glory if they're available to him. And I guess that's the bottom line for this morning. Are we available, the little people, are we available to God to use to his glory? Scripture is full of the evidence that God has gifted and called every one of us to be priests. If you look at 1 Peter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. You are a chosen people. He's not talking to the priests in the synagogue. He's talking to you and me. You are the chosen ones. No elite no superstars, no chosen few, just all of us who claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the message. That's who God calls. Now, I've told you that I love to play golf, not as much as Bill, but I do. And sometimes the weather gets a little threatening and someone in the four-ball, inevitably, when the weather's looking a bit rough, someone in the group will turn to the pastors and say, hey, guys, do something with this rain. You've got the connections. 
And the standard response from the clergy is, sorry, we're just in sales, not management. (laughs) And it's true. I don't have any more special connections than you have. I've just been given the task of teaching and leading and equipping and serving God's people in my context. And I try to do that as passionately as I can. And God has gifted every single one of us, the little people, all of us, little people, to do things for him, to use us to his glory. Imagine if we collectively bring all our gifting and our talents together and offer it to God. Imagine what Benoni would look like. I know, and every single one of us have got different gifts. I've got to tell you this story. It's it's topical. It's a story about a rugby match between the large animals and the small animals. It was incredible. I mean, the large animals, as you might imagine, were just cleaning up the smaller animals. There was no contest. They would kick off to the rhino, and he would receive the ball on the 25, rumble down the field, Squirrels hanging on his legs, butterflies picking at his tusks. It was just miserable. And at the end of the first half, it was 40-0 in favor of the big animals. Well, kickoff came for the second half, and an elephant receives the ball in his 25, and he starts to rumble down the field, and bam, he's dropped dead in his tracks on the halfway line. From the scrum, they hand off to the rhinoceros. He runs off, and he's tackled. Bam! He drops in his tracks. The next scrum, the handoff to the lion. He runs off. Bam! Drops dead in his tracks. The next scrum, the handoff to another lion, and he drops dead in his tracks. And all the time, they're losing ground, losing ground. At the next scrum, the gorilla takes the ball. He gets dropped, gets ready to kick the ball. He gets tackled. The ball comes loose. There's a mad loose scrum and a try scored by the little animals. And the animals everywhere. The referee blows his whistle. The animals start scrambling to their feet. Large animals, small animals. Right at the bottom of this pile of animals, on top of the ball, is a little bitty centipede. A try to the small animals. They pick him off and they say, man, was that you that hit the elephant at the kickoff? He says, yep, it was me. Are you the one that hit the lion on the 25? He says, yep, that's me. Did you stop the rhino? Yep. Was that you that hit the gorilla? Yep. And they said, man, where were you in the first half? He said, I was putting on my boots. (laughs) Now, I told you a long, silly story. uh, Because there's no such thing as a small player in God's eyes. There's no such thing as little old me in God's eyes. We are all significantly empowered people. We're all teammates with our own God-given gifts and talents. And God is calling us, every single one of us. And when God calls us and we don't play, the whole team suffers. In 1 Peter 4 verse 10, he says, Each one should use whatever he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Doesn't talk about the priests. Each one. Many, many people in this congregation have been touched by the ministry of our members, of the little people. 
God is asking men and women, boys and girls, old and young, to do what they do best. Yes, we're different. Some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts. Some are emotional, others are not. Some are leaders, others are followers. But we've all been called by God to make a difference. Like that little boy with his fish and his loaves. Some people can sing, others can't. And I'm not looking in any special direction right now. But did you hear about the poor guy that got up to sing solo in the church and it was horrendous? Nobody knew what to say. Finally, the guy approached him at the end of the service, put his arm around him and said, Son, I want to tell you I'm proud of you. That took a lot of courage to get up and do that today. But whoever asked you to sing ought to be shot. I think that man had the gift of encouragement. What do you think? Listen, listen to me, please, folks. I'm talking now about God using the little people. You tell me, who better to sit down with someone who's going through a divorce than someone who's been there? You tell me, who better to sit down with a couple of parents who are struggling with a prodigal child than a couple of parents who've been there? And that I can go on and on and on with illustrations. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit. And what he's really saying is that all of us have been given a gift by God and have have a place in his great scheme of things. We are the little people that God uses and fills and touches and blesses and empowers and encourages. Not everyone's called to the front line. Some are called to the back line. But the back line is just important as the front. Time magazine did a six-year study on what makes people happy. And I'm quoting. The research showed that the happiest people are the people of faith. More specifically, people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ are the happiest people in the world. That's what the research shows. Mother Teresa had what she called her business cards. They were little yellow index cards that she wrote things on. And this is what she wrote. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The the fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. The fruit of service is peace. Did you have any idea before you walked in here today that you were a priest? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, called by God. Do you know, did you know that you are supernaturally empowered by God? And that if you walk with Jesus Christ, you're going to make a huge difference in your world? Not just, not just the clergy. If you've discovered that, I don't need to explain to you the rush that comes from knowing that God has used you. Used me. But if you haven't discovered, then hang on. Because God's going to fill you with joy and purpose you've never had in your life. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. Imagine if I pass a microphone around the congregation this morning. And people stand up and say things like, Hi, I'm Shauna. I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I... 
I serve by organizing children's activities in the Sunday school. God is using me. I was made for this. You heard a couple of priests this morning. Hi, my name is Josh. I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have the gift of helps. I serve behind the scenes, collecting and distributing food and clothing and distributing it to the underprivileged. I was made for this. We've got people in this congregation who love this kind of ministry. Hi, my name's Betty. I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Christ. I've got the gift of leadership. I lead a small group right now, and I've never felt more at home. I was made for this. My name is Jose. I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've got the gift of encouragement. Every Monday morning, I take flowers to the local nursing home or the old age home, and I get a much bigger blessing than they get. I walk away thinking, hey, I was made for this. My name is Martha. I'm a priest. I don't get around as well as I used to, but God has given me the gift of intercession, and I stay at home and I pray for people. I think I'm making a difference, and I feel like I was made for this. Wouldn't it be amazing if every single person, every single priest could stand and talk about how God is using them and their spiritual gift? That's God's dream. That's my dream, if you like. It's the dream of the clergy that someday we'll be able to pass the microphone around this room and hear story after story like that. And you know what? That's what happens when unnamed people meet Jesus on the road. Have you met him? Do you know him? Because he's here. Because he's here. Let's pray a moment. Oh God, our Father, thank you for reminding us that you don't want special people, you want faithful people. You don't want incredible gifting necessarily. You want people who will say, I'll go for you. Father, I know that you're looking at every single person in this church this morning. And you have a dream. You have a dream that as we meet you along the road, you will use us to your glory. That you will empower us and fill us with what it is that you need from us. And all you need is for us to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Lord, we're not looking for necessarily special power. Special equipment. Lord, we know that all you want is our heart. And when we bring you our heart, you will take us and you will use us, the little people, to make a difference in your world. Lord, may it be so. Will you release your spirit into this congregation in this moment? So that as we go from here in a few minutes, we'll just have a sense that we've met you this morning. And you've held a hand out to us and said, my child, come with me. Let's go and make a difference. Wherever you're going, and I'll be with you. Hear our prayer, O oh God, as we pray it in the strong and 
beautiful name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. 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 You'll know it. And in our sorrows, we